Good afternoon, everybody. So I think uh, for people, let's say, here who tend to be a little bit younger, maybe millennials and under, I'm going to estimate it correctly, the, the main experience this generation of Catholics has had with some of the more extraordinary phenomenon of manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we hear about in today's first reading, uh, the Pentecost experience, comes through the different uh, Steubenville conferences that I think a number of you may have gone to when you were in high school, some when you are in college. These conferences that happen, Steubenville in the Bayou, Steubenville in the South, they have them all throughout the nation, where groups of young people, high schoolers, get together. And there are often hundreds, if not thousands of them, doing praise and worship, some of them speaking in tongues, people being slain in the spirit and these other extraordinary manifestations. And this, I know, for people who maybe haven't experienced this before, can bind of be, at least for Catholics, kind of unsettling. What in the world is going on here? And I understand what that's like. For my generation, it was the big charismatic conferences. I remember the first time I went to the big CCRNO, that's Catholic Charismatic Renewal of New Orleans conference they had in the Morial Center. You're talking five, 6,000 people there gathered to raise them and praise them. I remember walking in and seeing all these people praying in tongues and being slain in the spirit and thinking to myself, I want to go in the opposite direction. This is craziness. What is going on here? But the truth is, once I began to study more and actually go and experience it, even though there was some craziness and there had to be some discernment, I could not deny that something was going on, that the Spirit was really moving in a real way, that something was true there. And so, it's the experience, though, even though we can acknowledge there may be some true things at Steubenville South or these different charismatic manifestations, it can make people uncomfortable. It can make good, solid Catholics question, what is going on? Particularly if you go there and you really don't want to start dancing around with your hands in the air. You're not able to speak in tongues. You're not speaking out words of prophecy. I've had it in my own life. I've seen others experience it. You can feel guilty. I'm not doing all of these exterior manifestations of the Spirit, the Spirit must not like me. I'm not holy. I'm not good enough for that. And what I'm here to say, though, is important as these exterior manifestations are, they're only one half of how the Spirit works in the church. So I'm going to describe this type of action of the Spirit as the centrifugal motion of the spirit. Centrifugal means that you are fleeing from, you're going out from the center. It's what we see in Pentecost today. The apostles are there praying and the spirit descends and what do they do? They go out of the upper room. They begin preaching, they begin speaking in tongues, they begin working miracles. 
it directs us outwards. St. Paul himself said that some of these manifestations, as important as they are, need to be kept in check and can often be unsettling to people who don't understand what's going on. But still, even if we don't understand it, and still if it freaks some people out, these things are necessary. We need the exterior manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We need these conferences. We need the Spirit to drive us outwards, or else the gospel will never be proclaimed. But the fact is, I said, there's a second side to the movement of the Spirit, what I'm going to call the centripetal force of the Spirit. Centripetal is the opposite of centrifugal. that goes out, it brings us in. The Spirit also brings us into ourselves, brings the church into that interior space. When I was at my first sort of CCRNO conference and there were all these people acting like complete spazzes, I thought they were crazy. I remember there was one priest up on the stage where everybody else was going around and praising. He just said they're like this, very, very quiet. And I said, I like this guy. <laughs> sort of speaks to me. And I'm sure he caught a lot of flack for it, but he was moving in the spirit. It's just that the way the spirit was guiding him wasn't necessarily outwards, but inwards. And that centripetal force. And the Spirit does do that. The Spirit guides us interiorly to come and worship, to come and pray, to be less visible, but still moving in the action of the Spirit. It prompts us in that instinct when we can see how the Spirit anoints a certain situation very, very subtly. It lets us to know to be able to read another's heart, to be able to understand what the Lord is trying to say to them, maybe in a very subtle way. It gives us words of knowledge that we can manifest, not publicly, but to another person. These very subtle ways the Spirit moves. But these things are just as real and just as necessary as that centrifugal force. We need, as individuals, and as a church to be able to be brought inward for the more subtle ways that the Spirit moves in our lives and in the lives of others. I think you can sort of go back to Pentecost to see this. The two main figures that we know were there in the upper room praying. The first is Peter. Peter represents that centrifugal force, the one who goes out and preaches for the first time, and 3,000 people are converted. But the other figure is Mary. Mary is also there. But you don't see Mary going around doing the Holy Spirit dance. You don't see Mary going out and proclaiming. Maybe she did, but we've always had the tradition that Our Lady was there as the center, praying, animating all of the other actions of the church, a more contemplative approach. Now, sometimes Peter has to act like Mary, and sometimes Mary had to act like Peter. You can't say that I'm the person who goes out, and that's the way it goes all the time. No, that individual needs sometimes to have interior types of prayer. And the same with the person who likes that quiet prayer. Sometimes you're going to have to act boldly, and the Spirit's going to force you out 
to go and proclaim the gospel, to go out of your comfort zone. So the church needs both. But here is the fact and here is the key. Both of those outward and inward forces are based on what the apostles and Mary were doing before the Spirit descended. They were spending time in prayer. They were there in that novena preparing themselves for the descent of the Spirit. The descent of the Spirit that brought the church to life, that brought their faith to life, that set the church on fire. And here is the truth and the reality for so many people today. This idea of Pentecost is something that is foreign and alien and weird because all they do is go through the motions. It's all the faith is for a, a vast majority of Christians. I'm going to show up at Mass. I'm going to do my hour. I'm going to give a couple of minutes of prayer, and that's it. The faith is not life-giving. And as a result, we're beginning to see, as people get older, because it's just the motions and it doesn't give life, why do we even do it? And so people are abandoning the practice of the faith. Some people are pretty far along on this, and some people may just notice, like, hey, I just go to Mass, I don't even know why. I don't really pray like I should. I'm mired in a world of sin. I want the Holy Spirit. And if this is true, if we want a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, we've got to realize as Catholics, if you're baptized and confirmed, you already have it. But if you don't pray, you'll never see it alive in your life. And that's the problem. It's what I've been talking about for the past year. Catholics don't pray. They say prayers a few minutes before they go to bed, but they don't pray. Not right here. Not like the apostles were doing. And as a result, the faith is dead. But I can't get up here and make you want to pray. I wish I could call down the Holy Spirit and we could all start praying. And we could, some of us go out, some of us go inwards. But we as a church are going to die on the vine if we don't have the Spirit. We as a church are not going to manifest fruit if we don't have the Spirit, but we're not going to have the Spirit if we don't pray. Committed time every single day to say, this is the time for Jesus. We make plenty of time for email. We make plenty of time for social media. We make plenty of time for family. But we fall asleep in the three minutes before we go to bed. In this time, we slough off for God. We can find time for 15 to 20 minutes a day for prayer. Because when you do, not immediately, you are going to, as we build the habit, open up the space for the Spirit to be fanned into flame. And then the faith becomes alive. We begin to see Jesus. We begin to see how the Spirit moves. We begin to feel those inspirations. But we need to have that prayer time. So as much as Pentecost is about the centrifugal and centripetal motion of the Spirit, Pentecost is really the feast of prayer. Serious prayer of opening ourselves to the motion of the Holy Spirit. Opening ourselves to fan into flames the gifts that were given to us. 
And so that is my prayer and will continue to be the prayer for Catholics everywhere, particularly those who are in these pews, who call themselves parishioners, who whether they know it or not, are walking around as spiritual zombies, just going through the motion. The Spirit will begin to move, maybe in a very discreet way, to give us a desire for prayer, to spend time with Jesus, to fan into flame the gift of the Spirit, that when the Spirit does decide to fall, when we do get that dose of the ghost, whether or not we're going to be running around singing Shondala Shondala, or turning into ourselves in deep, quiet, contemplative prayer, we are going to know the Spirit is alive and the church is beginning to be transformed. Amen.